As always, this podcast is brought to you by Declan Kirby, GA Star. Pre-order the book now from Bookstation and be in with a chance to win a family pass to the Crow Park Museum. The new book comes out on April 21st. If you're looking to pick up any presents for any nieces or nephews in the coming weeks and months, then why not check out Declan Kirby, GA Star. Best children's GA book on the market at the minute, as voted by Amazon and Eason's. It's available on all good bookshops, Amazon, Eason's, absolutely everywhere. So get yourself a copy. The new book comes out on April April 21st, Declan Kirby, GA Star, European Dreams. Check it out now in the description down below and let's start the stream. Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. It's the football review show here as always on Monday. And uh, as I was saying there in the intro, brought to you by Declan Kirby, GA Star. So if you could check them out in the description down below, be much appreciated. I'm joined here today by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast. We're going to be running through all the weekend's big talking points from Dublin's relegation down to Division 2 from Mayo. Of course, uh, you know, obviously sealing a, a league final position. Tyrone's big win over Kerry as well. Some of the Division 2 results as well, including Matthews Nate of Cork producing a, a big result there against Offaly. And also some big, big games in Division 3 and 4 to discuss and certainly a lot of talking points. So, uh, yeah, first of all, Matthew, how's things with yourself? I suppose over the moon with the Cork victory. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Aaron. Uh, yeah, you know, we got the win. Um, I suppose a win over Offaly wouldn't have been, you know, the best thing in the world. Like a few years ago, I remember us winning by a point against Watford and the players and the fans were just quiet afterwards, almost embarrassed. But it kind of shows where we are at the moment, um, celebrating the victory like that. But look, it's the monkey off the back the lads need. They need to survive in the Division 2. And and another uh, big thing this weekend to say uh, could scupper cost well we lose the carry anyway but uh, the game is going to be moved out of Parky Green now apparently so we could be in a new Bridget over situation again um this um summer for the championship so um yeah lucky we survived but uh, can't say the same about uh, your own county they'll be joining the Rebel County Division Two next year. Yeah, yeah, we'll be down there with Limerick, Clare, Loud. I mean, some nice trips away, some nice places to visit, I suppose. Um, so it might be might might be a bit entertaining there, and um, I suppose rumor has it Will Smith was slapping Chris Rock in order to deflect the attention away from Dublin's relegation down to uh, to Division Two. But um, but yeah, I suppose obviously there was a whole host of action yesterday. Like, how did you keep up with following everything? I mean, like I, I was doing a live show here, and there was just so much going on. I think some of the scoring apps crashed at one stage as well. Um, it was just all sorts of chaos. Oh, it was chaos. So I was, I was trying to keep it up um, myself. I was um, doing doing a bit of job around that in the studio, basically, and uh, it was absolutely mental. Absolutely mental. Like imagine, like Division Three, Division Two, and Division One all at the same time. You know, it's um, crazy stuff. Real crazy stuff. And the thing is, I don't think I think there was about two or three games that were actually dead rubbers yesterday, which is. Well, one of them should have been a dead rubber, really. So you go leech. We'll get onto that in the minute. That debacle, but like two dead rubber games. I think Carlo Wexford and Down and Clare were the only dead rubbers. Other than that, it was all to play for. It was absolutely brilliant to watch. Even Kerry put out their first team. I think Cody Galway put out a B team yesterday. That was a bit disappointing, but Dave Mayo to take about that in the Division Two final. So there's an excuse there, but um, it was absolutely great. It was apps going to the final day, and um, geez, um. The league is nearly better than the championship at this stage because there's a lot of exciting games all packed into one day. It was kind of hard to keep up with it all, definitely. Yeah, it was brilliant as well. And I suppose you've seen on TG Cahar as well, the red zone type um, commentary or, or coverage that they had. Like, I mean, 
brilliant stuff from from them no doubt about it and and hopefully we can get more of that i suppose in the in the next couple of years i suppose we'll, we'll start with the the monaghan victory monaghan 313 dublin 118 what was your thoughts on on this game in the end how it played out i mean monaghan by far the better side in, in my opinion i don't think dublin were that great i think we got a lot of soft threes that kept us in contention didn't really create any goal chances at all two goal chances up until the the penalty um, and I suppose from a Monaghan point of view, they've done it again. They, they seem to keep finding a way to survive um, in the most craziest of circumstances. Yeah, they're absolutely, absolutely some county, aren't they, Monaghan? Like, um, just when you think they're dead and buried, they survive at the last minute. And uh, what's crazy is, well, if Jack McCarr didn't nail that free, Monaghan would have been gone as well. So um, it shows you how crucial that free was at the end. And... Uh, Fair play to Monaghan, that's all you could say. Like, I predicted them to go down weeks ago. I think a lot of people predicted them to go down. But they kept fighting. Jack McCarran, what a goal, the third goal for Monaghan. Like, yeah. One of the goals of the year, definitely. And um, they survived for another day. What an achievement for them. And they're in Division 1 since 2015. For a size of uh, Monaghan, that county, superb achievement. Brilliant achievement for all of Monaghan. And... I'm seeing Leave Sheedy's doing a lot in the background team now. It's come to fruition now. So um maybe they could be good for the Ulster Championship form is a big thing. But uh, the other side of the coin, Dublin, I thought they were going in with a bit of form into the last game, if, in all honesty. But just when you start like that, when you give three goals like that to Monaghan, like it was sloppy at the same time. You wouldn't have associated that with Dublin even in 2020. I don't think they could see the goal of the championship in 2020. And then that game yesterday was kamikaze defending. And, you know, it needs to be solved sooner rather than later. And even for the Leinster Championship, I kind of fear for you. Like, I was talking to someone today, and they were saying, Kildare could beat Dublin. Was it really? And they were saying, oh, Kildare finished ahead of Dublin. So, yeah, I suppose uh, you make a point there. But, um, yeah, it needs to be fixed now for the Leinster Championship, definitely. And even Offaly could give you a good few problems for that defence. So it's worrying times for Dublin, definitely. But for Monaghan, what a way to survive. They do it every single year. Fair play to them. And um, I don't know how they do it, um, quite honestly. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, anytime there's obstacles that are thrown their way, they seem to keep finding a way to come back, even with that late penalty. We've gone down to 14 men at one stage. Um, they just seem to keep finding a way and, and fair play to them. Like, where, where do they rank, in your opinion, in terms of the the overall picture and the Ulster Championship and, and the All-Ireland. Could they be going under the radar, do you think, in the Ulster Championship? I don't think anyone really expects them to do anything in in the All-Ireland series. But in terms of Ulster, I mean, they played down in the opening day. They then played the winner of, um, well, if Tyrone get past for Manor, they'll play the winner of Tyrone and Derry. So it'd be a tough route for them, potentially in Armagh, Donegal in the final, if they were to go all the way. But what's your thoughts on that? Of course, they can be known, sir, definitely. But it is going to be a hard road, definitely it is. And uh, they're going to be down the quarterfinals. I've seen down up close. They're very, very poor. So I think Monaghan will get over that pretty easily. Then it's about the next game against Tyrone. They'll probably be hoping Tyrone will be battered and bruised for the Fermanagh game and the Derry game. And Fermanagh seemed to be seemed to be going pretty well in Division 3. They gave Limburg a stern test yesterday as well. So that could even be a tough game. I think Tyrone will get over the line in the end, but I think it won't be that easy for them. Uh, Derry will still be a tough game. There's lessons to be learned from uh, their games against Roscoe and Galway. I'm sure Roy Gallagher will take that into consideration. So, Monaghan do have an advantage there that they're coming out the easy side of the draw. And if if they go into an Ulster final against Donegal and Armagh, 
look, it's all to play for in that game because Johnny Gall and Armagh arguably could get one hard game out of the other side as well. So, look, it's it's definitely all to play for, but we'll get on to Tyrone later. But I thought Tyrone yesterday were absolutely superb against Kerry and Kerry are probably the best team in the country at this stage and Tyrone just outplayed them. Like, they scored 115, they scored... I think an average of 11 points before going into that game. So you could see they're improving going into it. I think they mentioned on League Sunday last night, the weather's getting brilliant. It's brilliant outside today. It's brilliant yesterday. And Tyrone seemed to be, you know, improving like the weather. And, you know, um, that'll be tough for Monaghan as well. But yeah, Monaghan, of course, they could win it. Um, I think they'll get over the quarterfinal. They'll fancy their chances in the semis. And Monaghan and Ulster final, I don't think they've lost too many Ulster finals either. Correct me for Brown, no, but... Like, it's there for them. It's definitely there for them. And, um, yeah, they haven't won Ulster since 2015. So, why not this year? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, does this prove as well the fact that, I mean, Conor McManus obviously was injured, didn't play any part in the game. Does this prove as well that they are much more than just Conor McManus? Like, when you have Jack McCarron, uh, when you have Sean Jones, who's come in from the under-20s, Gary Mohan as well, Aaron Mulligan wasn't involved, but... He's another good player to come back into the team when he does. So does this prove as well that even for a county with a population as small as Monaghan, that they are still producing, they are still bringing true players from their under-20s and they're proving even despite a lot of lads getting older, they're clearly still Division One quality? Yeah, it's funny because I actually looked at Monaghan's scores. They are obviously McManus as a top being the main player. But Jack McCarron, 3-11 in the league. Like That's a superb achievement from him. Uh, two goals yesterday. What what a player this guy is. A bit under the radar considering um, all the forwards being talked about in the league this year. Andrew Woods is another one you didn't mention there. He's an excellent uh, young footballer. He scored one for the league. Uh, Mihal Banigan has been underrated for a few years as well. Conor McCarthy has been in the half-back line. He's uh, one of the most versatile players in the country as well. Shane Carey, of course, they have Rory Beggin the goal. The odd mistake, but most of the time he gets it correct. Uh, Roy McAdespi is another good player there. So they do have the players. And it's a bit surprising considering the size of Modern that they're going to produce players year on year. And even before this crop of players, they even were producing the likes of Paul Finley, Dick Clarkin, and um, Tommy Freeman. So they are producing players. It's quite a surprise for Modern. And it, it probably shows if you put all the eggs in one basket for one coat in football, the sky's the limit, really. And, you know... It's absolutely brilliant for Monaghan to do that. And they are they are less reliant than Conor McManus, though, as he gets older with age. So, you know, it's it's absolutely brilliant to, for Monaghan that these young players... Uh, don't, you talked about Aaron Mulligan there. I don't think Aaron Mulligan has scored the league. That's the most impressive thing. And he's one of the most most uh, young, brilliant talents in the country at the moment. Like, it's absolutely incredible. They have good young players coming through the ranks as well. And uh, Banty McEnany, I'm sure, is a pro Monaghan man as well. Liam Sheedy, as I've mentioned there, he's coming into the backroom team. He's doing a lot of work there. I'm, I'm sure the Dundalk goalkeeper as well, Gary Rogers. So there's a lot of good work going into Monaghan G and fair play to them in Division 1 since 2015. And with the coaching team, with the players other than Conor McManus scoring freely this um, league campaign, you could see why and the results are shown. Yeah, and Sir Klopp says here, I'm still not writing off Dublin. They'll get further than Monaghan in the championship. But I suppose with Dublin being in what is definitely the weakest province in the country at the minute, and Ulster is probably the most competitive. So I, I could see Dublin getting further than Monaghan in the championship, all right. But I don't know. Like, it could be these two could end up playing each other in a quarter final. It's not exactly impossible. 
Um, if Monaghan were to get beat by Tyrone, let's say, in an Ulster semi-final, which I think a lot of people would probably expect, although those two have been very close in the in the last couple of years. From a Dublin perspective, then, I mean, just another really poor performance. I know they showed a little bit of fight towards the end and they stuck with Monaghan. Um, but again, like I, I just feel with Dublin, it's just, you know, that's six defeats now in eight games. We're on, I think, the worst losing, you know, that's the worst run of form, I think, in our county's history at senior level. So, I mean... Just more poor stuff from from Dublin. Oh, it's incredibly poor stuff. And even I made out Dublin scores as well. Odin, Sean Bogler, Karma Costello, and Kieran Kilkenny in this league campaign. You've been absolutely dropping. That's a, a fair assessment, really. Like even Larkin O'Dell scored one two at the start of the league campaign. He scored one point against Mayo as well, and uh, he's gone off the radar. Ross McGarry's played well against Mayo. I'd said this on the podcast before. Where are these young players actually going? Pat Orkovic Bourne hasn't really played in this campaign. Evan Coverford now has been replaced by Michael Shields. So even there's a confusion with the goalkeeping situation as well. Lee Gannon played well in fairness to him yesterday, scoring two points. But then again, like him, where has he been for the previous six rounds of the league? This guy was supposed to be an up and coming talent. Dan O'Brien was excellent for Kilmaco Croaks. Why is it he on the panel? So there's a lot of questions with Dublin, definitely. And uh, Yes, the fight was there at the end, but that's the least you expect of Dublin, really. You'd expect the quality to be there for this Dublin team, and it's just not clicking at the moment. That's that's the weird thing. And it's not as if the players are getting older either. Like, Costello's still a young player. Kilkenny's still young enough. Brian Howard, Brian Fenton, they're still under 30 years of age. Like So, you know, they're still youth in that team at the same time. They've reached 220 finals in a row, so there's clearly talent there. But... I don't know what what's the issue there. You you probably know more about us than myself, Aaron, but from the outside, it looks like the older players don't seem to put two performances, even three performances together, and that's the worrying thing about this double team. But other than the three players I mentioned in that scoring chart, there doesn't seem to be others stepping up, and that's the bad thing about Dublin at this point. Yeah, they look poorly coached, and in my opinion, like I don't think anyone's denying the the talent and, and quality that Dublin have. I mean, they did win six All Irelands in a row, and a lot of those players are still there. And you were looking at that team yesterday; it was probably as close to Dublin's best starting fifteen you're likely to see. I mean, maybe Conor Callaghan comes back in, but let's be honest, he hasn't been available for the entirety of the league. Is he going to come back in the championship? Maybe he's taken a year out. I mean, I don't know, but he doesn't seem to be available at this moment in time. Okay, Owen Merchant, it was his first game back in. You'd expect him to, to hopefully, obviously he got subbed off early. Hopefully he, he's all good, but maybe if Paddy Small to come back in. But yeah, generally speaking, they just look poorly coached. Defensive organisation seems to be all over the place. They conceded 11 goals this year in the league. I mean, you think back to 2020 when they won the All-Ireland, they didn't concede a goal throughout the entirety of the league. I remember Raymond Gallagher won an All-Star and the main reason for it was because Cluxton had nothing to do because Dublin's defence was so good. So, it does seem that they're going backwards defensively. Has there been change, changes in the back room in terms of different defensive coaches? You know, like when Dublin go down or, or when Monaghan go down to 14 men, um, like Dublin really should have tightened up just a little bit then. That now was the minute maybe to change a little bit. Um, but again, a long ball from Ryan McInesby. Fitzsimons, who I've been praising for years, really is probably one of the best defend, defenders in the country. Even he's been looking all over the place. So, you know, I haven't a clue what's going on, but it does seem to be coaching management that seems to be the problem, which again is a surprise because I always seen Desi Farrell as a decent manager, but it clearly isn't working. 
you mentioned the defensive stats there, 11 goals conceded, or even attacking stats that have um, kind of burned Dublin fans' brains. They've only scored two goals from play in the entire league. The two other goals they scored were penalties from Dean Rock. Like, that is incredibly worrying. Like, yeah, and one of them was a goal that really, really didn't matter a lot, Lodell's against Armagh, and the other was a belter from Dyle Scully at Bairniston. But two goals from play for Dublin, the six in a row all conquerors. Like, that's unheard of. And uh, when you score four goals, two goals from play, and you concede 11 goals, you deserve to go down. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter about the mini renaissance at the end of the league. If that's that shows, you definitely deserve to go down. And it's different. You say it's a coaching. It could well be a coaching issue. Like, like the players don't seem to know what they're doing from what I was watching. I watched, I think, I watched the full game against Armagh. And Armagh coached time and time, open time after time after time. And against Mayo, you seem to get a bit of momentum. And then defensive lapses of concentration just let Mayo in and score two goals and the game is over then. So, you know, I, I don't know what the problem with Dublin is. And um, even the Tyrone game, you could argue Tyrone weren't re- even on form that day. Don't he go, maybe he got a bit lucky. So, putting that all together, you, you definitely deserve to go down. And it is definitely a worrying time to be a Dublin fan at the moment. Um, maybe not in the Leinster Championship because I think Kildare are probably the only team that could challenge your Leinster winning status. But... For the all Ireland series, like you could, realistically, you're not going to reach an Ireland semi final on that form that you've shown throughout the league campaign, and especially yesterday. Yeah, I mean, with Crow Park obviously coming into the factor, I mean that could, that could make a, a big difference for for all Ireland quarterfinals, definitely from a Dublin point of view, and obviously it would depend on on who they drew if they were to come through Leinster. But as Onfar was saying here as well, congrats to Monaghan again. Dubs are done this year in my book. They might scrape a Leinster title. But that's their lot, I suspect. I hope, of course, I'm wrong. And I would agree there as well. Hopefully, we're both wrong. But, um, I mean, what do you think? Could Dublin be caught in, in Leinster? I mean, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? We obviously don't know. the um, there's, there's been no semi-final draw. It's kind of funny, really. Like, I feel like they, maybe should, they should go back and start doing the semi-final draw again before the start of the year. Because clearly, um, like, none of the teams are, are quite at the, the highest level at the minute. But... What's what's your take on that? I mean, could Dublin be caught in in Leinster this year? I mean, there's still a lot of people who think Dublin are, are going to be fine and win all Orleans and have the quality and all the rest. I mean, you'd say to those people, really, what are they actually watching? Because I mean, when you actually have watched Dublin throughout the entirety of the league, the seven games, eleven goals conceded, two goals scored from play, and as you said as well, like they're, they're not even creating that many goal scoring opportunities. Like I think they created three yesterday. Don't remember really any against Kildare. Um, don't remember any against Mayo. Don't remember any, I don't think, against Kerry either. So, you know, I mean, they're not creating opportunities. They're not, no, and that's the worrying thing. And even the Leinster Championship, like, I realistically, I'd say Kildare are the only team that could beat you in the Leinster Championship. I think me, they're a bit off the pace. There's a lot of improvement still to go. You could see Offley were a bit inexperienced yesterday. I don't think Louds are good enough to win the Leinster Championship. I'd love Louds to win it, obviously. I see the Joe Sheridan incident from a few years back. But, um, yeah, you should be good enough to win a Leinster Championship, definitely. Kildare will be the main challenger there. But looking at that form, I think that's as far as you'd get. Like, even looking at the qualifier fixtures, like, even look at the finalists for the provincial championships. Other than Munster, which I think Tipperary, Clare, Limbrick, I think you'd beat any of those teams, in all honesty. But when you look at uh, Connacht's, It'll probably be Ross Common. Ross Common's form. I think Ross Common could beat Dublin this year. 
looking on the form at the moment. I think Ross Commodore are a better team than Dublin. Like Ross Commodore are beaten this, I forget that. In Ulster, it'll be maybe Bonham, Donegal, Armagh. I can see all them beating Dublin on their day as well. So I'd be very worried if I was a Dublin fan, unless the draw goes your way and you get a monster final uh, team. But even they'll get knocked out in the last round of the qualifiers, so maybe it won't matter. So it's going to be a very tough road for Dublin this year. I do suppose if if you truly want Desi Farrell out of the team or out of um out of management completely with Dublin, I think the best thing is to go out the quarterfinals or go out the semi-finals because if you get to a final, really could Desi actually stay on? If you reach an all-around final, Aaron, this is a tough question. But if you reach an all-around final, not with it necessarily, but if you get to an all-around final, will that be enough to keep Desi's job? Do you think? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, if there was get to an All-Ireland final, I mean, it would obviously depend on who they be along the way. I mean, if other teams were to fluff their lines, like a bit like 2020, and we end up playing a Cavan and, you know, with all due respect to Cavan and an All-Ireland semi-final, then maybe you could say, yeah. And then, you know, obviously it would depend on the final as well and what kind of performance we give. So, look, if we were to get to an All-Ireland final, beat some big teams along the way, I would say, well, clearly there's been improvement there. So maybe he does deserve another year and maybe he does deserve that time and maybe maybe you just make a few tweaks in the backroom team and maybe bring in a defensive coach or something a bit like what Kerry have done when they brought Paddy Talley in I know it's not really tradition in Dublin to be bringing in outside men from other counties um, but it could be something maybe they could look at and potentially maybe further down the line especially in football obviously in Hurling we've brought in managers from other counties but in football it hasn't really been a, a done thing so I'm not sure really. We'll, we'll have to see really how it how it does pan out. But to be perfectly honest, I'd, I'd agree with you as well. Like I think Ross Common are looking very good. I think they would probably have Dublin's number. I think a lot of counties would really. Um, and I think Dublin's best hope really in an All Ireland quarter final might be to get your own county Cork or, or something like that, or or maybe a Clare, maybe a Limerick. I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Well, I will say our attack is actually very good. So. Um... Compared mm. to your attack, and even if we uh, challenge you with the likes of Sherlock and O'Mahony and Estafi, actually, Cork have actually the tour best attack in Division 2 behind Ross Common and Galway. So, but then again, obviously, it's the defensive problem. Dublin will f- probably find their far of the right score two goals for play of the league and score about six against us. That's, that's just um, that's just the nature of Cork football at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult time for Dublin, definitely. And um, there's a few teams you could lose to, definitely. But um, I think general hope for Dublin fans is to get a monster final team in the all Ireland quarterfinals or a team coming down the stretch of the qualifiers other than that I think it could be a rough year to be honest Aaron and um, it's a change for once I think the last rough year Dublin had really was when they got hammered by Kerry in 09 probably I, I would think anyway yeah absolutely I mean it was looking like a rough year at the start of 2010 when we got beat by Mead we got absolutely hammered but I think we turned it around quite well that year and that was probably the the sort of stepping stones for what followed in in 2011. Tyrone, big win for them away at Kerry. Kerry 211, Tyrone 115. Are Tyrone back in the mix for uh, for an All Ireland this year after being row off really after they were beaten by Dublin a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I think they're very much uh, back in the mix. Definitely, and Kevin McSee or Kieran Wheeler, one of them was mentioning the weather being a factor as well. I think it's a huge factor for Tyrone. Like um, with this uh, weather being a factor, they can tire out teams. Completely. And uh, some Kerry fan was mentioning, I didn't watch the full game, I only watched the highlights. But some Kerry fan was actually mentioning they fell into the same traps as they did last August. That's worrying for Kerry in a way. But for Tyrone, that's a very good sign that uh, they still have it in them. 
McCurry again, what a player he is. A bit underrated, in my opinion. Niall Stoughton hit Farb again yesterday. I see Dark Hadavan actually uh, kicking from a long kickout from Niall Morgan, which led to the goal, and he's one of the smallest men in the pitch. So you could see the heart of the guy. Um, I suppose the only downside for Tyrone really is the form of Colin McShane. Well, I suppose it would be still a bit sluggish um, after a big injury in uh, 2020. But especially after his renaissance, kind of renaissance last year in the semi-final and the all the final, you would have expected uh, McShane to, you know, blossom a small bit in the league. But he's only scored one point from play in the entire league. So that's a very disappointing start for him personally. But a lot of players coming to the fore now. Peter Hart again, Conkill Patrick's done well in the league. So... Look, I think Tyrone have a major chance for the other, especially with Dublin being in this state they're in at the moment. I honestly think um, it's probably Mayo, Kerry, probably Dublin, or sorry, Tyrone after that. And um, Armagh maybe, if they hit a bit of form. But I think it'll probably be them four teams at the end of it. But uh, yeah, Tyrone are right back in the mix now. So beware for the rest of Ireland. They are coming for you. Yeah, it is funny because I think everyone has very much had Mayo and Kerry as their front two, or most people have had Kerry as, as number one, definitely. And then you can argue maybe Mayo number two, but Toronto, have, like, they have them their numbers, really. I mean, Toronto have beaten Mayo three times in a row now, going back as far as the league in, in 2020 when they relegated Mayo down to Division Two. And they've obviously had back-to-back wins over Kerry now as well. So, I mean, if it gets to an All-Ireland semi-final stage and Toronto are there, and they get through Ulster, even come through the qualifiers, and they are up against a, a Mayo maybe in a, in a semi-final or, or whoever it may be, I mean, they'll, they'll fancy their chances at once again going all the way and winning it. Yeah, definitely. Like People seem to write off Toronto. I think someone in the comment section uh, last week or two weeks ago were saying that we were writing off Toronto completely when we were talking about Mayo and Kerry potentially winning the All-Ireland. It looks that way now. I think Toronto look a very good prospect at the... At the moment, it's still a bit worried that performance for Kerry. I suppose they wouldn't take too much to heart, to be honest, because they were already in the league final, let's not forget. So next week, we'll tell a lot about Kerry in that sense. Maybe yesterday was a bit of a, you know, a culture shock for them, a small bit. But uh, for Tyrone, brilliant victory. I know they go into the game with Fermanagh with the tails open going into that game, you know, with a bit of positivity in the team. But uh, there seemed to be... Negative talk with Lee Brennan, Mark Bradley, all them, Tierra McCann leaving the panel. So, um, yeah, this result will definitely drive them on a small bit. So, um, good result for Tyrone. They looked dead and buried, to be honest, with the points difference they had. They needed to be carried out of Killarney, and they haven't done so since 2003 before yesterday. They did it again, and uh, fair, fair play to Tyrone. They haven't done so in a while. They needed to win. By God, they got it. Fair play to Tyrone for that, and they'll go into the Ulster Championship with a realistic chance of winning it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like their their players are improving and, and peaking really at the right time. Kieran McGeary looked a lot better yesterday against Kerry with two points. He'd Sludden with two points. Even Dara Canavan, I think, as well, who's really probably gone under the radar a little bit. I mean, he was excellent, I thought, um, in their victory over Mayo. was probably a contender for a man of the match behind Peter Hart that day. And that pass as well to Darren McCurry, I mean, out of this world, really. And... We all know the kind of a name. He's obviously there's a lot of pressure probably on him from Tyrone fans and 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 maybe fans from from the outside who expect him maybe to to be as good as his dad or at least maybe get somewhere near that level. But look, he's he, he's shown that he is quite a very talented footballer. And when you take you know the name away from it, 
I mean, Throne, they have a lot of options there, I mean, in that attack. I mean, maybe coming off the bench might be an issue, like I've seen there, looking at the score below out there, Matty Donnelly, the only substitute. I don't know if that's exactly true, but, I mean, you're looking at it and thinking for Tyrone, with that forward line of McGeary, Sludden, Darren McCurry, Connor Moyler, they're definitely going to be up there. Yeah, another forward that's going to the radar, I think, is Paul Donahue. He do- doesn't come on much, but um, at the same time for Dungannon, he hit the lights out. He hit the lights out at the start of 2021 20, uh, as well. So you have to wonder when he's going to come in. So, um, yeah, they still have options. Like I think it would have been strengthened if they had Lee Brennan and Mark Bradley in amongst, amongst the panel. I know them players would think they're good enough for starting spots, but um, if they were on the bench, Tyrone would have definitely have some panel um, at their disposal, definitely. And um, that would probably set them back a small bus going down the stretch, having not them two forwards. Well, Paul Donahue, if they bring him on more, they could uh, add to that firepower up front. And maybe that's a small bit of a worry because what won Tyrone the All-Irelands over Mayo last year was their bench. Con McShane coming on, Dark Hanavan coming on and making a huge difference in the game in the end. So that kind of aspect is gone from the no. Both of them start. You don't know who's going to come in. But um, I think if you give Paul Donaghy a chance, I think he could hit light pretty soon. And um, I suppose the game against Fermanagh will tell an awful lot about their bench. They'll rotate a lot, definitely. Not No disrespect now to Fermanagh. I think they're a very good team and all that. Sean Quigley, excellent footballer. But realistically, Toronto are going to win that game. So it's an opportunity really to rotate the team a small bit, test out a few fellas. If it's going wrong, bring bring in the bring in the old guards, as they'd say. But I suppose that'll probably be the last chance because the next game after that, Derry will be full of beans and they'll go for Tyrone for hell like later. Definitely, you look at the rivalry between them two sides. So, yeah, I, I would say there there's decent backup for Tyrone, but not as good as last year, in my opinion. Yeah, and I suppose a word on Kerry then. I mean. Can you really judge them maybe too much on this? I mean, they they, they they were quite slow, obviously, out of blocks. And, I mean, they, they started quite strong. I mean, you had Clifford there. You had Paul Gainey, Tony Brosnan. Um, you know, a similar enough defence with Foley, O'Sullivan, uh, Dylan Casey in there as well. So, I mean, they went fairly strong. But, I don't know, like, obviously, from looking at the highlights in Allianz League Sunday, maybe they probably weren't quite at the, the pace maybe you'd expect. And maybe, I obviously know that court game's still a while away yet, but... Maybe they are thinking more towards the championship and don't want to peak too soon. Maybe they're considering they don't want to pick up any injuries or anything like that. But um, at the same time, like Tyrone, we're brilliant. And I think you do have to give them credit. So, Yeah, you definitely have to give them credit. But again, about Kerry, their next big test is uh, Mayo next week, obviously. But after that, it'll probably be June or July. So it's probably better for Jack O'Connor to you know put all these big guns now because what's that going to do? going to, car- well, not going to Cart now, it's going to be at Fitzgerald Stadium, which could make it a lot easier now for Kerry to win that game. And then you're going to Munster Final, realistically going to win that game as well. So, Kerry aren't getting a test. I think they, like, um, they will get a test definitely de- next week against Mayo. That that would probably show their metal a small bit, even though we don't know what team Mayo are going to pull out. Like, they've got win the first round. So, it'll be an interesting um, aspect to look at it that way. But, um, Realistically, the next game Kerry will have after Mayo is probably going to be, I don't know, June, July, quarter, might not even be the quarterfinal stage, considering if you see Limerick or Loud or Tipperary or Clare come through that um, qualifier system and they could draw Kerry, like we all know the history of Kerry, they always get lucky draws in the quarterfinals. So 
they might do so again, and um, they won't get a test until the All-Ireland semi-final. And that was the case last year against Tyrone, and they fell at short miserably. That would probably be a concern for Jack O'Connor looking down the line, but um, they've looked good against big teams so far. They need to put in a great performance, though, to set a marker down and win the league next Sunday now against Mayo. But um, after that, I don't think they'll get a test until July, really, um, realistically, I think. Yeah, and that's why I think maybe this defeat might help them maybe as well because mm-hmm. like you can't you can't learn from your problems and your mistakes until you actually make them. So, you know, I think for Kerry to make those errors, mistakes that they made in this game um, and lose this game, they'll be able to go back to the drawing board, have another look at it. Different to last year when they got beat by Tyrone, it was over and they couldn't, you know, they, they had to wait till next year really before they could address some of the errors and mistakes that they made. So I think it could actually help Kerry maybe further down the line this defeat. Um, maybe in a similar fashion to what we've seen with Tyrone when they lost to, to Kerry last year as well. We got Mayo 220, Kildare 18 points then um, in the end. So Kildare obviously being relegated and, and Mayo getting that victory and booking themselves into a league final. Yeah, fair play to Mayo. Seven away games this year and still get into the league final. Fair play to Mayo and um, they had about 20 different scores throughout the league campaign. So you can't say they haven't deserved it over the league campaigns, so fair play to them. I'm not sure is it ideal preparation going into the Galway game if they play full straight next Sunday. That'll be interesting, as I've said before. But um, but look, it's a league final. It's a chance to win a trophy. They, they'll go for it. I think they will. Like uh, I know Galway is a big game for them, but at the same time, a trophy's a trophy. And a win over Kerry would stamp their authority on them, the rest of Ireland, definitely. As for Kildare, you have to feel sorry for them at the same time. like You thought they were safe. I think uh, Donegal, Tyrone, Dublin, Monaghan were all behind them at the start of the day. They could have got into a league final and instead they go down. Like, it's a sad reality of Division 1 football. But, uh, look, I suppose if you're going to point to one thing for Kildare, they didn't score enough goals to stay up. The fight was there. The points were there. The defence were pretty solid as well. But they only scored two goals in the entire league campaign, both scored by Jimmy Hyland. So, ultimately, that just wasn't good enough for Kildare to stay up. But at the same time, I I feel very sorry for Kildare to go down with five points, with a very good uh, points difference, especially their performance against Monaghan last, last week was phenomenal. And to say Monaghan stays up and Kildare goes down, I know Monaghan performed very well against Dublin, don't get me wrong, but maybe there's a bit of injustice about that. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean they both they both finished on the the same amount of wins. I suppose they both finished on two wins, and I agree with what you say to a certain extent about Kildare. Um, you know how much fight they showed, how much improvement they showed, but at the same time they lost every away game. They played a Toronto team that were down what four players, um, four of their starters. They couldn't beat them then either when Toronto were struggling. So I think at the same time, look, that's just how it is. I mean, yes, they've you know we're all excited to see new teams come up to Division One, and and you know be good and I think a lot of people want Kildare to do well because you want to see a competitive Leinster championship but I think at the same time if you lose every away game you can't expect to, to stay in Division 1 I'm not too sure if that's ever been done before so I think for Kildare for as good as they've played for as good as the the young players they've, they're bringing through and Highland, Kirwan and Paddy Woodgate and they can definitely take a lot of confidence going into the Leinster championship but I think at the same time look they did lose every away game and we can feel sorry for them all they want but at the same time that's just how it goes yeah, that's that's exactly it. And um, two goals across the league. I think they had 14 different scores. Yes, they still had uh, Jimmy Hoyle and Paddy Woodgate. 
Daniel Flynn, Ben McCormick, Derek Hayward, Scory High Tallies. But then when you look at the rest of the team, they weren't contributing enough. And maybe that was a deciding factor in deciding their fate in many ways. That um, other teams like Mayo had 20 plus different scores, Kerry the same, Tyrone, even Dublin, I think, had more scores than Kildare and they finished below them. So maybe that was a reason why they went down. They didn't have enough firepower in them. But there is definitely positivity going into the Leinster Championship, considering they were much better than Dublin in this league campaign anyway. They'll take that going into the Leinster Championship. And Leinster Championship for Kildare won't be a bad year at all. Competing well in Division 1, I think that's a success for the fantastic quadruple there in the Anthony Rainbow, Johnny Doyle, Glenn Ryan and Derby Orley. So, like, they haven't won a Leinster Titan since 2000. Like, that's quite hard to believe. I know Dublin have dominated, but you would have thought Kildare would have won it sooner than that, considering they reached All-Ireland semi-final in 2010, and they were probably close to winning All-Ireland that year. So, look, I think they'll be happy with a Leinster title, despite going down to Division 2. And I think, yes, Dublin are there, Derry, Meath, Cork, if they get their act together, could be good, Clare could be good. So, look, it will be tough for Kildare to go back up next year, but they definitely have the players to do so. And Jimmy Hyland, if he keeps improving, I think he's 23, so there's a lot of room to improve. Paddy Woodgate, another new fella in. So, the team is pretty young. So, that's a positive for Kildare going into the Leicester Championship. And to win it, that won't be bad at all. Yeah, Sir Klopp says there, when was the last time Kerry won a game in uh, in, in Crow Park? So, shots for there, I think it was 2019, I think, uh, against Tyrone, I think it might have been, was the was the last time they won in, in Crow Park. But speaking of Mayo, anyway, I mean, good win for them. I mean, they'll obviously want to build a, a bit of momentum going into that league final and into that Galway game. So, it's a weird one, really, isn't it, going into that league final? I mean, it's not the be-all and the end-all. I'm sure it would be nice to beat Kerry and turn them over in Crow Park. But, again, as we were saying before, like the, there is a likelihood that these two could play each other in the All-Ireland series further down the line. So, like, Ryan O'Donoghue, obviously brilliant again, scoring 1-4 against Kildare. Jason Doherty seems to be a good addition back into the team. But what's your thinking for Mayo going into that league final? How do you think they'll approach it? It's a tough one, really. I've been speaking to a few Mayo fans yesterday and today, and they're kind of unsure what to do. Like, Galway first, that's going to be a massive, massive game for Mayo and probably will be a deciding factor in their season and even Ross Common and Connacht. So that's two hard games at Connacht. When you look at Kerry, for example, they have no hard games in Munster, let's be honest here. So I think Kerry will go full pelt for this game. I don't think Mayo will, to be honest, I don't think Mayo will necessarily play a full second team but I think the likes of Robbie Henley, if he's fit, will probably start. Ryan O'Donoghue will probably start. He has done throughout the league campaign. Jason Doherty, they need to get him up to match fitness. He'll probably start. Jordan Flynn's another um, player that has impressed me. I know there's temperaments issues with him in the past few years. We scored 1-5 in the league as far as I'm aware. So that's a pretty good tally and good partner for Matty Rowan in midfield. Maybe they'll try that out and see how it fares against the likes of Kerry. I would take Fogel Bowling might start as well. He is something to prove. James Carr first came back at a while yesterday. He might start the game and uh, might give her carry defence a run around. So there's a few players that could start, but at the same time, Brendan Harrison got injured yesterday. I think Dormick O'Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he got injured according to a few Mayo fans yesterday as well. So like that's the that's the fear that Mayo have if they're going to get injuries before the Galway game. That could bust their season completely. That that would be playing at the back of James Horn's mind. But at the same time, it's a big opportunity to beat Kerry 
and stamp your authority on winning the All-Ireland. I'm sure Mayo fans would love to beat Kerry. Like, to beat Kerry and Dublin in one year, despite if it's only league, that would be a superb achievement. I think Mayo fans would celebrate that, but I suppose they'd want the All-Ireland badly. They haven't won one since 2051. They'd want to win it this year. They'd want to break the duck. And that has always been the main aim. But I think a few players will start, but I don't necessarily think we'll be a full strength team, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Sir Klopp says there as well. Mayo unbeaten against Kerry at Crow Park since 2011, drew 2014, drew and won 2017, won 2019. So um, Mayo definitely having the advantage at, at Crow Park in recent seasons. Anyway, Donegal won 14, Armagh won 13. Um, Donegal getting the, the job done just about. I mean, it got it became a lot closer towards the end of the game. Michael Murphy missing a, a penalty again for Donegal. I think that's three penalties missed in a row now for Donegal. But in the end, they do just about enough to, to squeeze through the victory against an Armagh team that was very heavily rotated. Um, they didn't start with Rian O'Neill. Um, but in the end, Donegal get the win. Yeah, Donegal got the win and um, they survived for the year. I predicted it would go down, but... Um, was pretty close to the end, predicting them to go down, but um, they survived at the end. They lived to fight another day, and um, I was quite surprised about that Armagh team selection. Actually, I thought they'd go full pills. I know they've done all the Ulster Championship, but to get to a league final, like when's the last time Armagh got to a Division One final? A very long time ago. So I would have thought they'd went gone full pill for this game. I was surprised at the team selection, to be honest. But um, fair play to Donegal, brilliant win, and. Um, yeah, they're they're all set now for the game against Armagh. Well, this is the interesting part now. Both of these sides play each other in the Ulster Championship. This will be some some battle here. And um, Armagh have a point to prove in that game. They didn't win this game when they needed to win it to get to a league final. Here's their chance now to prove they're in with the big boys. They need to beat Donegal in the Ulster Championship first day out. But uh, for Donegal... It's mainly Michael Murphy, Paddy McBrady in terms of scoring, other than Conor O'Donnell, who's done well in the league campaign, did well again yesterday, I think. So, look, big win for Donegal, and um, Armagh need to improve for the Ulster Championship. And as for the fight at the end, there could be a few repercussions there. And um, considering that game is coming up, we could see two completely different teams that game. Yeah, absolutely. And Tian Jekko was saying here as well, I was at the Dudigal game, such a shame. It ended with handbags as it was a great spectacle for 70 minutes of play. And and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if if they're going to go in line with what they've done for what happened with Tyrone and Armagh when uh, there was, what, four players suspended for that occasion, I mean, they're going to have to go in line with this one as well. And there's going to have to be suspensions on, on both sides. I mean, I've seen some players with bibs on and even and they were getting in the scuffles and, and in the fights and, and everything else. So it'll be interesting to see how they they go about it. But, um, but yeah, like what was your thoughts on, on all that sort of fighting at the end? I mean, it, se- it seems to be happening a lot more recently. And obviously it's the second time now involving Armada this is this has happened as well. So, I mean, it seems kind of pointless really in my opinion, especially when the game is gone. I understand the physicality and all the rest. And you want to see that in Gaelic football and in Hurling. But it did seem a little pointless there right at the end. It did, and uh, considering that Ulster Championship game is coming up, that was kind of stupid for a few players to get involved in that, and that will put their place in the Ulster Championship game at huge risk after that. And uh, the interesting thing, you mentioned it happened two times to Armagh. It, mean, it happened them. I think one of their players pushed over Donegal Doctor a few years ago as well. They had a fight with Cavan before the parade one year as well. 
it seems to be always happening with Armagh. I'm not sure what it is with them players, them group of players. I get their physicality, but at the same time, is there any need for it at the same at the same time? And um, yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, it's kind of strange. It always seems to involve the likes of Tyrone Armagh. I'm not entirely sure why. Donegal as well. Maybe, I, I don't know, is it a culture up there that um, they need to get physical? But um, look, it was, as you say, it was needless. And considering the Ulster Championship game is right at the doorstep, it's coming up straight away, literally. And for players to get suspended for that game is just idiotic, idiotic in my opinion. And considering like the game was gone, it was a one-point victory, there was a few seconds left, and then a fight breaks out. Like, I mean, why do players get involved in this? Seriously, like, do they actually want to get suspended? Do they want the week off? Do they want the week off the beat or something like that? I'm not entirely sure, but look, it's it's a strange one to comprehend, and it's even a stranger one to comprehend why some of these ultra teams are the most teams to get involved in these kind of scuffles. Yeah, it is interesting, all right. And obviously, there was no details spoken on Allianz League Sunday or, or anywhere as to why that seemed to happen. So. I'm not exactly sure as to as to what that is. Um, we'll throw the league table up on the screen, anyways, just to remind ourselves of uh, of how everything finished in the end. So Kerry obviously and Mayo secure in that league final, and Kildare and Dublin being relegated. We'll move on to some of the Division Two action, and we'll get the table on the screen first of all here to remind ourselves what happened. So Roscommon and Galway both promoted in the end with 12 points in the end. Roscommon, interesting enough, the only team in the entirety of the National Football League across all four divisions to end the season unbeaten. Galway with six wins in there, so the most wins out of anyone, I think, um, in the entire National League. But they did lose, obviously, to Roscommon on the final day. Derry finishing with 11 points and Offaly and down going, uh, getting relegated there. So, um I suppose we'll touch on that Roscommon game first of all. Big win for them, turning over Galway, 120 to 115. It was a very much changed Galway side, and, and clearly the way they started the game was, um, you know, they, they're obviously looking towards that Mayo game, no no doubt about it. And and maybe, you know, they might feel a stronger team in Crow Park next weekend. But as we were saying earlier, like Roscommon, they're going under the radar quite a bit at the minute. And um, another big win for for them and they seem to have definitely have found that balance between attack and defense and you're getting Connor Cox in form, Donny Smith and the Smith. So a lot to be positive about if you're a Ross Common fan. From what I was hearing from Ross Common fans actually they had three wides across the last two games against Offaly and Galway. If that is true, that's an impressive start for County like Ross Common and they just overly go up, bring the Jeep and by them defensively they seem to, you know, be the same as Astro, but attack was the main thing after Stephen Poacher left. And boy, God, they have some very good attackers in that team. Connor Cox, Key McKeown did very well yesterday, according to match reports. Uh, they still have the Berta brothers as well, who don't score that much to come into the fray as well. Donny Smith scored a lot in the campaign. Enda Smith as a Colleen as well. So there's a lot of options for us, Common. Definitely a positive for them. As for Galway, look, they didn't care about this game. Simple as, like, um, they'd mail the first round. They'd probably go strong next week, but at the same time, Shane Walsh was injured. Damien Comer maybe picked up a knock. Like, he, I looked at the Galway team on Thursday, and I just knew Ross Common were going to win this game. Derry might as well not even try to get promoted against Mead. Um, and Ross Common were just going to walk over this game. And um, it, well, God, as far as what, what, where Galway actually scored a few points near the end of the game, 
when it didn't really matter. But um, brilliant win for Ross Common despite the Galway team. And um, it'd be interesting to see these two sides in Crow Park next week. I'd be very looking forward to see these two sides because um, attack-wise, these are probably one of the best two attack farm countries in the, um, counties in the country at the moment. Yeah, and Roscommon do have the second best defence in the in the entirety of the National Football League as well behind Derry. So it shows you just how well they've done. And Gavin says here, Galway were kind of weird. They snuck their way back into the game, especially with the goal. And they did, yeah, the goal right at the end from Johnny Heaney definitely probably made it a little bit more respectable. What do you think about Roscommon and the Connacht Championship? I mean, obviously Galway and Mayo are on the other side of the draw. And for Roscommon, I mean, they're on, I suppose, the perceived easier side of the draw. And realistically speaking, they should be making at least a final anyways with the fact that they're likely to play either Sligo or New York in the Connacht semi-finals, which, which they should be winning. I mean, could Roscommon pull off the surprise there? I mean, we've seen it obviously happen in the past before. And, you know, I think with Galway and Mayo, a lot of their attention will be on that game. And then you get over that game and then you, you have a Roscommon team there waiting for you. A lot of people aren't really discussing in terms of coming through Connacht or maybe an All-Ireland quarterfinal or above. Obviously, it's been a long time since they've reached an All-Ireland semi-final. But look, they're, they're doing really, really well and I think they are going under the radar. I think they are as well, yeah. They're, they have some very good attackers. Like I mentioned, they are the second best defensive record in the league. Like they're doing well attack and defensively, and that's the main thing. And to look at the other side of the draw is the main thing. I do think actually Sligo could put, really put it up to Roscommon. Not that Roscommon uh, seemed to flatter at any um, moment or anything like that. I think Sligo are genuinely a very good side, so I think they'd actually put pressure on that Roscommon team. But Roscommon easily should pass Sligo. Let's not um, forget Sligo are Division 14 for a reason. Um, and then the final. Like, it's a tough one because um, Mayo Galway are playing the first round. Then they're, I think they're playing League Trip in the semi final. That'll be an, an easy win for one of them, too. So, so um, they'll be well rested going to the chronic final there. So, it should be a very good game. But as as we've seen in so many years before, you never write off Ross Common. Like, people are writing them off. They're saying Galway and Mayo are going to win it. They're all other contenders, so they must win Connacht. But do not write off Ross Common. They're a very good side. Best attack and defence for a reason. And they'll definitely put it up to one of them two sides. Got, starting next week against Galway, I think that'll be the acid test for them, especially playing in Crow Park. We'll see if that form could translate into headquarters. Yeah, and it's great games to have, no, uh, no doubt about that. And I suppose for Derry in the end, they did come from behind in the end to, to get the victory against Mead. Mead were very much in front for the majority of this game. In the end, I suppose... Didn't mean anything for Derry. They'll be staying in Division 2 next year. But they did finish with 11 points. And obviously, they'll go into that game against either Toronto or Fermanagh with a bit of momentum, which I think is important for them, obviously, having been beaten by Galway the week previous. So, I suppose for Derry to be disappointed, but at the same time, 11 points in most leagues, most divisions would be enough to secure promotion. So, it is what it is. They'll be disappointed they didn't get that promotion. But at the same time, they are certainly moving in the right direction. And they definitely will be one of the favourites for promotion next year. Oh, they definitely will. But um, I suppose Kildare and Dublin coming down might scupper them chances a small bit. But um, yeah, very good win for them. They probably need to win yesterday considering Ross Common were playing an understrength Galway. But they did enough. They got the win in the end. And um, Derry are a good side. Like I think they just had a blip last week against Galway and that scuppered uh, the promotion challenge altogether. But uh, they do have some very good players. They are improving year on year. And I do think even if they lose to Tyrone in the Ulster Championship, they'll be a real, real team to back in the qualifiers, in my opinion.
they look a very good side. And even, I know this pains, uh, pains uh, you for me to say this, Aaron, but I think if Derry played Dublin and all or the quarterfinal, I think Derry could actually beat you. I think they're a very good side. Like, defensively, attack-wise as well, Shane McGuigan came back into the team yesterday, or Lynch is a very good goalkeeper. So there's a lot of positivity for Derry. As for Bees, look, there's positives for Bees. Like, um, at the start of the league, let's not forget they were disarray after not scoring at all in the first half against Galway. But that car game really turned their fortunes around. Good bit against Clare. And a good performance yesterday as well. So, look, positivity for me, positivity for Derry. And Bees as well. I think they'll fancy their chances in Leinster. I don't kill their Dublin are a bit of head of them at the moment, but considering the two the two sides got relegated to Division 2, they were the same division as Meath, Meath could win their first Leinster Championship since 2010. It's a genuine possibility now. Yeah, I mean, look, I still think they have a, a bit to do, in, in my opinion, to, to get up to a level of, of Dublin and Kildare. I still think they're a bit ahead of Meath, in my opinion, but they will take confidence, obviously, after their the recent performances. They're back scoring again, scoring... To a level two eleven in total, which I think is a, a good tally to have. And for Derry, I mean, special mention to to Niall Auckland with with one five. I mean, I know what you were saying there in terms of them beating a, a Dublin. I probably still fancy a Dublin and Crow Park to be perfectly honest. Um, given you know their experience of playing in that ground, Derry haven't played there too often. Big occasion, all the rest. But I mean, look at the same time, Derry are certainly on an upward trajectory, and Dublin are certainly on a downward trajectory. So you just never know if if that was a game that would come about. And I think in previous years, when Dublin were playing sides in all Ireland quarterfinals and Super Eights, you'd kind of just say, "Look, that they're going to come through." That let's be perfectly honest. Whereas now, you can definitely have a bit more of a, a debate, no doubt about it. You'd awfully one twenty Cork one twenty one. Your own County Cork just about surviving relegation in the end. Very, very close. And I suppose huge scenes at the end. Big moment for, for Cork football staying in uh, Division 2. Massive moment. Better than winning the all Ireland in 2010. Um, up the Rebels. Um, look, <laughs> it probably shows where we're at, uh, to be honest. Uh, the wild celebration at the end. I'm not sure would I have been that wild as the players at the end of us. But um, look, we survived. That's the main thing. And uh, the the bottom line here is we were three minutes away from the Talton Cup and the players dug it out. And despite, like, awfully played very well in fairness to them, but that mistake at the end, like, oh my God, you know. Uh, maybe there's need for a rule change there as well. I I don't know what the Offaly players were actually thinking towards the end. Like, Paddy Donegan said to the Irish Examiner afterwards that he was thinking of uh, letting go for 45 or something like that. I, I would think, like, even if he let it out for 45 there's a possibility Sherlock would have missed that chance and Offaly would have gone up and tried to win the game after that. So, but instead, it's a 10-meter free and Cork um, end up uh, getting the winning score. And look, it's a thing Offaly need to learn from if they're going to challenge with the big boys sooner rather than later. But for Cork, where would we be, we be without Stephen Sherlock and Colin Manny? I, I don't know where, like Colin Manny, what a goal yesterday. Superb player. Stephen Sherlock, 9 points, 5 from play. He's a nominee for team, uh, Player of the Week. That's a change for car football, a uh, player being nominated alongside, I think, Jack McCarron and um, some Tone players as well. So that was nice, nice uh, accolade for him personally. But um, yeah, we survived. That's the main aim. But geez, Aaron, it was it was very close to, you know, going pear shape for a while. Yeah, and I suppose obviously, like looking at the Munster Championship, I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting Cork really to produce anything against Kerry. But what would you see from here as a as a Cork fan 
what would be a success at this point do you think you're obviously going to be in those qualifiers there's going to be a lot of good teams in the qualifiers now as well don't like let's not forget that that are division two and division one teams so what what would you reckon how far can Cork go maybe around before the, the quarterfinals maybe the quarterfinals or what do you think that'd be the dream <laughs> get to quarterfinal like um we've only been to one quarterfinal trip since 2015 that super eight campaign so um you know it's um it's the dream, really, to get to the quarterfinals. And I think um, it will be great exposure for players like Blake Murphy, Colabani, Stephen Sherlock, all them. Like, the thing is, I've mentioned this before, the forwards, there's no issue there. I think we do have the forwards to be one of the best in Ireland, in my opinion. We're only behind Ross Common and Galway in terms of scoring. But defensively, the errors we're making is, is kamikaze stuff. And even for the penalty, very sloppy to give away when we're in control in the first half, like... You know, if there is the argument we're missing Daniel O'Mahony and Sean Meehan at the same time, but at the like, you would think we need to, with a county like Cork, we need to have a defensive structure. We don't have kick-out structure either, and that needs to be improved for the qualifiers. Um, this part of the qualifiers, I'm actually not sure. Well, there, a lot of media outlets are saying we're definitely in the Sam Maguire Cup, but I'm unsure now after what Jermaine Cantwell said on match day three after the Derry game. Sixth place could not, and um, maybe not, um, be Sam Maguire. I'm not entirely sure. Like, my fear would be if Tipperary got to the Munster final, we could be in the Taltic. I'm not sure about that, Aaron, really. Um, does sixth mm. place actually guarantee Sam Maguire? I'm not sure. I think it does, yeah. I think it would have to because, I mean, you look at the teams that are coming up from Division 3 in, in, in both Limerick and... Um, and who uh, Loud, who are coming up, like, as far as what I know, they're going to be in the... Um, the, the Sam Maguire as well so I don't think it would really make I, I, th- I think that must have been just a mistake from Joanne Cantwell to be perfectly honest because I've, I've looked at, I've looked it up enough times and from what I know anyway sixth and, and fifth definitely does guarantee you in the in in the Sam Maguire they're even saying it on Allianz League Sunday as well I think Kevin McStay even w- was mentioning it so I'm not sure maybe maybe you never quite know with the GA they could change their mind next week and there could be something else going on but I think uh, I think I think you're okay anyway, and you won't be in that um, Talchian Cup. What I would say is though, even though Offaly have gone down, I think it's a, a similar instance with Kildare. I think they can take a lot of positivity. They can take a lot of pride in how they performed. Like they've got a couple of injuries there as well. Very young team. They obviously make that big mistake at the end with the goalkeeper, but it's definitely something to learn from. And it is likely they'll play Dublin in the Leinster quarterfinals, and it's probably likely that Dublin will win it. But I think at the same time. Offaly will, will, will have a bit of confidence going into that game. And if they do go into the Halchian Cup, I think they might well be favourites. So you could see them in uh, in Crow Park at, at some points further down the line. We down 1-9, clear 2-14. I mean, we'll touch on this game briefly. It was a dead rubber in the end. But I think important for Clare to build a bit of momentum because they'd I think they'd gone four, three or four games without a win. So a big victory for them away at down. And... You know, they're obviously on that side of Munster as well, where they could go on to a final. I think they play Limerick and then the winner of Tipperary and Waterford. So, I mean, for Clare, there's a couple of big weeks ahead now for them. Definitely is. And I've mentioned this to some Clare fans. They haven't reached a Munster final since 2012. That's a pretty long time. And there's a lot of pressure for Clare to reach a Munster final, especially this year. And as you said, it's a it's a brilliant win, actually, when you think about it. It builds up momentum, especially Limerick had brilliant momentum going into this game. Another win as well yesterday, so very good win for them. As for Down, like I see them last week. I don't know I don't know where they're at to be honest. Like Kilku won the Ulster Championship. 
down under 20s did well last year. So why doesn't it translate the senior pitch? I'm not sure. They tried four managers last year. None of them accepted. They had to sit with James McCartan. And you nearly feel sorry for him because he looks helpless at the sidelines. And, you know, they put up a bit of a fight in the second half against Cork. But, my God, they were... You know, it was it was poor to watch for Don, especially attack-wise. They didn't know what they were doing at times. And this, as a Cork fan, no, Don were... They looked at more shambles than us. And that takes some doing. And... um. They, they could get an almighty hiding from Monaghan in the quarterfinals at Ulster. But for Clare, good positive win and uh, brilliant to build on. Yeah, without doubt. And as you were saying there about Down, I mean, I, I was looking at highlights of their under-20s against Fermanagh and they looked brilliant. So they've had a good couple of under-20 teams in the last couple of years and Sheila and Johnson and these kind of lads. But for whatever reason, they just don't seem to be involved in the in the senior team. And I'm not sure what the, the crack is really with Down. I think they're the only winless side as well in the entire National League. So that's a quite a, a disappointing statistic. And look, if they don't get their act together quickly, I mean, you know, you could be looking at them playing Division Four football in the next couple of years. I mean, it's not exactly inconceivable. Like, it'd be tough for them getting out of Division Three next year, um, in in my opinion. But we'll crack on anyway and, and have a look at Division Three. Uh, we'll get the league table up on the up on the screen there. So Loud and Limerick in the end get promoted. Loud with 11 points. Um, Limerick there with 10 points. Westmead and Antrim miss out. And it's Leash and Wicklow who will be going down into Division 4 next year. And I, I suppose touching on some of these games briefly, but touching on the Loud one, first of all, big win over Wicklow. I think this is a fifth win in a row now for Loud. And Sam Roy continues to shoot the lights out. Back-to-back promotions for Mickey Hart. I mean, things can't really go much better for Loud at the minute. And to be honest, I think it actually puts Mickey Hart as one of the best managers ever to grace the game. Like to get this low team from Division 4 to Division 2 within two years, what an achievement. And he is absolutely some manager. Sam Roy, very good player as well. And Lowe didn't look like they were going to get promoted after match day two. So, fair play to them for turning around. As for Wicklow, that's another county I kind of feel sorry for at the same time. I know they had that managerial outburst as well during the league campaign, but... They seem to play well at every game, nearly, and they're relegated. It's just um, the world we live in with GA at the moment. Um, just one little slip up, and you're gone. And uh, it's a sad, sad for Wicklow to go down to Division 4. I'm not sure will they be back um, soon enough. But for Loud, what an achievement. And their fans have a day out in Crow Park next week. What a time to be a Loud fan at the moment. And uh, maybe the football could take precedence over the soccer for once. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge achievement for, for Loud and the work that's being done in there yeah. is absolutely huge. And to, to go from Division 4 to Division 2 and even get the opportunity to play, to you know, to be going up against the likes of, you know, Dublin, Derry uh, in Division 2 next year. And I mean, look, you know, with the players that they're doing and with Mickey Hart there and obviously with him committing long term as well, signing a new deal. So, look, Loud could very well stay up in Division 2 and this could be the, the start of something most definitely for a, for, for a county like Loud, given some of the, the quality players that they, they do have and the likes of Sam Roy and, and some other young players coming through there as well. You had Limerick 116 for Amana, 14 points Limerick, uh, coming up to Division 2 as well. And, you know, more big work has been done in, in Limerick as well. I mean, they were Division 14, let's not forget, two years ago as well. So big achievement for them. Superb achievement. And I mentioned this last year, like the strength of their players. I kept the same mention in League Sunday as well. Kind of copying myself, to be honest. Um, like last year, I thought they looked like a monster team. Like uh, I mentioned, um, that fella that um looked like a monster second row. 
that fella was Josh Ryan. He scored one six yesterday. What a player he's turned into. Um, he has the height, he has the strength, and he has the finishing ability. You know what a player he is. Hugh Bork did well in the league campaign. Um, James Nocton as well. Ian Corbett doesn't get most plaudits, and I suppose that just shows what a good team Limerick are and what a job Billy Lee has done to get Limerick football back up on the map. And uh, I'm in college at Limerick at the moment. I'm delighted for them. They definitely deserve Division 2 football and not may continue for Limerick. Uh, as for Fermanagh, look, positivity at the same time. Like, Sean Quigley didn't score both yesterday. Kieran Corrigan seemed to take up the mantle a small bit no yesterday. But um, at the same time, it wasn't too bad, not too great either. Um, an average league campaign, to be honest, for them. But for Limerick, brilliant achievements. And uh, three monster sides now in Division 2 next year. And Limerick will say they're going to play Dublin. I don't know wins the last time. You'll see that, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely been a been a long time. All right, there'll definitely be a few new teams for us dubs to to get used to to seeing, anyways. And um, as we were saying earlier, like with Dublin, maybe likely to be playing in in Parnell Park next year. But I think it would be good, all right, as well to to still have them in Crow Park. So maybe counties like Limerick, Clare, Loud can get their day out and in, in Crow Park in a similar way to a lot of teams who've obviously come up to Division One in the last couple of years as well. And as you were touching on Limerick there as well, like they have their own academy down there as well that's headed by Paul Connerk. Um, You know, when you look at the size of the hurlers as well, I mean, I don't know what they're eating down there or, or what's going on with conditioning, but I mean, it's definitely, it's 100% working for, for Limerick. And I think, you know, if they can get players to commit, if they can continuously bring younger lads through as well, I do think it's it's possible that Limerick could go up to Division 1, not next year, but I think in a couple of years. And I think they could be a team that could really start to, to crack on in football because we've seen how well the hurlers have done. And I think something similar could happen to, to Limerick footballers. Maybe not winning all Orleans or anything like that, but I think they could definitely be um, be competitive. You had Westmead won 11, Antrim 12 points. I suppose for Westmead, it's a good victory, but I think overall they'll be disappointed in their year. I think a lot of people looked at them as a, as a side to be promoted from Division 3 and they get this win away in Corrigan Park at Belfast but uh, in the end I mean it's not enough to secure promotion that's the annoying thing with Westmead like they played so well against Cork Mayo Mead last year like let's not forget against Cork they scored 25 points and that would have been winning most games and they were favourites for a reason to go up and they just didn't do it I suppose it was inconsistency like games like I'm not sure what they, they lost against Longford definitely I think it was at home as well. Like you can't be losing them games that expected to get promoted. They do have the players. There's no doubt about that. Larkin Dolan, John Hazlin, Kieran Martin, Ron O'Toole. Some very good players there, but it's about consistency for them. And um, maybe the Tottenham Cup, if they win that, maybe will boost Westmead football a small bit. But um, disappointed for them. As for Antrim, look, regardless of what happened um, yesterday, it's a brilliant season for them. Like they were promoted for Division Four. It would have been nice actually to see Antrim. I know I would like Limerick um, to go up myself, but um, like for Loud and Antrim to go up to Division Two, that would be a turn up for the books. Two Division Four sides to go up to Division Two, that would have been unbelievable. But um, Antrim they'll fancy their chances now in Cargill Park against Cavan, and um, they'll, they'll give it a right good go in that game. And even in the Tata Cup, if they get to that stage, they could even win that competition. So all up for Antrim at the moment. And you talk about Limerick, there's a lot of work being done there. There's a lot of work being done at Antrim as well. So, sky's the limit freely for them. But for Westmead, inconsistency really caught them. But a good win yesterday, I suppose. 
Yeah, I mean, big win in the end for for, for Westmead, and will certainly give them a, a bit of confidence going into that Longford game in the uh, in in the Leinster Championship. Um, but yeah, for Antrim, look, a lot of positive positives, no doubt about it. And I think it's interesting. You're seeing a lot of thrown managers doing very very well at the minute. Um, so so fair play to them. You'd leash one thirteen, Longford two seventeen. I mean, for leash back to back relegations down in Division Four down in the doldrums and Longford again surviving but like looking at that scoreline as well like that's a big scoreline to concede and given how well Leash had started this year in the O'Byrne Cup look you know how well they were doing I mean the you know I don't know what's really gone wrong for them there I don't know to be honest either like even look at scoring charts for Leash there's a lot of high scores and that it seems to be defensively that's the problem for them 217 against Longford that's a big total there and them. Um, no, but at the same time, I see them last year in Division 2 against Cork. I thought they were very poor. So, look, it, it may be, in a way, it's not a surprise they went down to Division 4. But when you look at the size, um, the footballing heritage that Leash actually have, like it's a shame they've gone down to Division 4, really. As for Longford, they're the monument of Division 3. Simple as that. They keep trying trying to stay up, and they keep succeeding. They've, they've done it time and time and time again. And fair play to... And Longford, considering the start of the league, they look very poor, but they got crucial wins away to Westmead and away to Leash, and ultimately that has kept them in Division 3 for yet another year. Well done to Billy O'Loughlin and the players, but for Leash, real hard times ahead for them. Yeah, I mean, you'd wonder really what is going on there because, I mean, they do have, you know, Mark Barry looks like a good under-20 footballer who's come through there. Evan O'Carroll's looks bright, and yeah, it's it's definitely a, a bizarre one from uh, from Leash, no doubt about it. Moving on to Division Four, then uh, we'll get the league table up on the screen and how things finished here. Cavan and Tipperary both getting promoted. They they've been sharing the same story really. Cavan and Tipperary the last couple of years in terms of winning provincial titles on the on the same day, getting relegated to Division Four on the same day, and then getting promoted on the same day as well. So fair play to uh to Cavan in the end and I suppose we'll touch on that result in the end 321 Waterford 10 points um convincing in the end for Cavan and I mean they'll they'll go into I suppose the the game against Tipperary maybe a slight favorites although Tipperary are probably the more informed team but what was your uh, thoughts on this result for Cavan really expected to be honest like uh, Waterford as I said before they're not a footballing county and um it was crucial for Cavan to get this win because last last few games they're a bit iffy in my opinion. So um, it was crucial to win this game and three twenty one. That's a big score to put up. Like they haven't been scoring freely before this game, so that's a bit of positivity for Cavan going into the game against Tipperary next week. And um, yeah, they've gone up at the end, but at the same time, you would have expected Cavan. I said this at the start of the league. If Cavan didn't go up, it would have been an absolute travesty, a disgrace. They've gone up. They've done the job. They shouldn't really celebrate it. Well, maybe they will probably celebrate it, but at the same time, Cavan are way too good for Division 4. They shouldn't be in this position anyway. So, um, look, it's expected they went up. And um, you said down were the only team to uh, win a game. I think Watford haven't won a game either, but at the same time, like Watford aren't really a football county at the same time. So, um, what do you expect? Yeah, Cavan will get promoted from Division 3 next year is what um, Oshin Daly says there. I mean, it'd be tough for them in Division 3, but you definitely wouldn't see them get relegated or anything like that. They definitely have enough quality to push for promotion anyways. And Tipperary is the other county who'll be joining them. They beat London in the end, won 14 to 12 points. Five wins in a row now for Tipperary. So, I mean, they're, they're motoring quite strong. And look, as we were saying as well, they're obviously on the, the easier side of the draw 
um, in the in, in the Munster Championship. They play Waterford, which obviously they drew earlier in the earlier in the year, but a lot of people would probably expect Tipperary to to win this time around. And then you're in a semi-final against either a Clare or a Limerick. I mean, it's not inconceivable that Tipperary don't find themselves in a, another Munster Championship, a second a Munster Championship final, a second in three years. Yeah, I think Tipperary will actually reach the final. Like I know Clare, Clare and Limerick seem to be building up form, but at the same time, like Tipperary do have very good uh, players coming. Like Mark Russell's a new player, Mike Yoshea, Connor Sweeney seems to be hitting the lights out. Sean O'Connor's very good. So, yeah, very good win for them. But for one, I was hearing for Tipperary fans, it wasn't the best performance in the world. London could have won that game if they played a lot better. But a win's a win. Promotion's a promotion. And fair play to Tipperary for this. I thought Tipperary wouldn't get promoted at the start of the year. They proved me wrong. So, fair play to David Power, the men. And as for London, fair tale is well and truly died, um, unfortunately for them. Yeah, and you'd Sligo 216, Leitrim 210. I mean, bizarre, really, that this game wasn't on, on, on the Saturday. I mean, it was so unusual, really, to, to put this game on the Sunday. In the end, it meant it was a dead rubber. There was nothing to play for. Um, but Sligo, like, again, they, they seem to be putting up big score lines. And Sir Klopp says here, Sligo, unfortunate to miss out on promotion. Unusual year where two strong teams found themselves a division below their standard. Can't see Wicklow or Leash stopping Sligo next year, you know, and look, you know, Leash are definitely on the decline, no doubt about it. And I think Sligo have a lot of young lads in there, young players in there. Tony McEntee's done a, a very good job there. So I think from a Sligo perspective, even though it was a dead rubber in the end, a big win for them and, and they'll definitely take it. And as you said, look, I think I do think Ross Common will get the better of them um, in that uh, semi-final. Not to dismiss New York, but Sligo should be winning that, let's be honest. Um, but look, they, you know, they're hitting up high scores, so you could see them causing maybe the odd problem or two for us coming. You could do, yeah, and even they could win the Talented Cup. I, I think they genuinely have a big chance of winning the Talented Cup. You mentioned the scores they put up this year. They still have Pat Spillane, who hasn't played much this year. If he gets into the team and runs, you know, a bit of form in his legs, like, you know, people mm-hmm. could easily win the Talented Cup, in my opinion. Like, And arguably, look at these two sides. I think... These two sides could get promoted next year. I think um, Leitrim looked pretty good. Ryan O'Rourke, Keith Byrne, a uh, very good display. And uh, two more things in this game. The first disgrace that this game was on Sunday. Why couldn't they put it on Saturday? I don't know. And uh, they were mentioning League Sunday. They just want the reason why. We want the reason why as well. Like We didn't get a reason. And that's the most disappointing thing. And um, another thing that's crucial for the... Well, not so much now for... Um, Sligo, because you would expect they'd beat New York without Sean Carbine in the team. But for Leitrim to be missing Keith Byrne for the game against Mayo or Galway, that's going to be an almighty tanking now. Like, if they're going to be missing Keith Byrne. And for a game that ended up being a dead rubber, you know, um, maybe I didn't watch the game personally, but it could have been a needless red card that Keith didn't really need to get. And um, that's put his uh, Connacht game in in serious don't know but as I said Sligo have a real chance of winning the Talented Cup in my opinion yeah definitely a, a lot of improvement from them over the over over this year and last year as well so definitely a, a realistic chance you had Carlo 14 points Wexford won 11 dead rubber in the end so I suppose nothing really to, to mention here but I suppose disappointing for, for both Wexford and, and Carlo to see unfortunately how far they've, they've fallen in the last year or so who would you say then has been your player of the week or, or sort of big moments of the week looking at the, the weekend's action I've been waiting for this all week, all um, throughout <laughs> the league, Aaron. I'm going to say Stephen Sherlock, player of the week. What a player. Perfect. Nine points, five from play. 
No, um, he's one of the best forwards in Ireland. I'm not ashamed to say it. We're so lucky to have him. Brilliant forward. He's my player of the week. Yeah, 100%. I don't think you can really uh, look past him, to, to be honest. Although I, I would go with Jack McCarran personally. I think 2-6 in the end. I mean, an extraordinary performance, really. And considering they didn't have Conor McManus and he was injured, I mean, to have a player like him step up and that a big occasion, no doubt about it. Well, I suppose we'll go ahead and wrap this up here anyway. Cheers, Matthew, very much for coming on. And um, yeah, for anyone who tuned in, if you could smash the like button as well, be much appreciated. Subscribe if you're new. If you could give the podcast a rating on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be much appreciated. And yeah, I'll uh, speak to you all later. Cheers, Matthew, for coming on. Thanks very much, Aaron. Thank you very much.